And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the Fruited Plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Thank you, Dude Walker. Yes, indeed. I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. My guest today is Joe Altieri. Joe is the inventor of FlexScreen, the world's first flexible window screen. He's also the founder and CEO of a multi-million dollar company of the same name and a successful past contestant on the ABC television show Shark Tank. Joe Altieri, welcome to Radio Free Enterprise. Thank you for having me. I look forward to our conversation. So glad you're here, Joe, and I appreciate that you have blocked out some extra time for me today. Uh, we really have a lot to cover. Uh, I know everybody wants to know all about your experience on Shark Tank. And when I say everybody, I mean me. I really want to know about that, and I want to dig into it. Um, but I think the best place to start for people who may not be familiar with your product or you or your appearance on Shark Tank is to talk about that. What exactly is FlexScreen? What's so innovative about it? Well, as you mentioned, we're the, the world's first and only flexible window screen. So, um, so the, the sides of our, our screen, uh, they, they flex in. So, so it makes it really easy to, to install them and remove them from, from your windows. They also don't block the view like a normal screen um, does. So a normal, um, uh, an old style aluminum screen, which most people have on their windows, actually blocks up to a square foot of, of the view, and they're nearly indestructible. I mean, we have videos online of, of me pounding them with hammers. That was one of the big things on Shark Tank was me pounding our screen with a hammer, which, of course, a, a regular screen would never put, you know, it would uh, just get completely destroyed doing that. But we run them over with cars. We throw them off of buildings. And, and so, um, so really, it was FlexScreen is born from all the problems that homeowners have with regular window screens. We... Um, uh, by a lot of fortunate mistakes, we solved all of the problems. So that's, uh, that's, that's what great. flex screen is, is, is the, the quick elevator pitch there. Well, and I know anybody and that's everybody has ever wrestled with a window screen trying to get it open or it's crooked. Now I can't get it to move or it won't lock in place or it's, you know, all of the problems with window screens. Uh, they should definitely go to flexscreen.com and watch those videos and it will become immediately apparent what a breakthrough idea this is. And I, I really have to congratulate you on your video marketing because there's a video you have that's only 51 seconds long. And in that 51 seconds, it becomes abundantly clear what the big deal is about this product. And so I, I'm a big fan of video marketing and I congratulate you on doing such a great job. We'll also come back to how that uh, intersected with the folks at Shark Tank. So let, uh, let me then ask you, when was it that you first started working on this? What year do you think it was? It was a little over eight years ago. Um, now, uh, the, the thought of something better in, in the screen industry has been a, uh, a goal for, for me. I've been in the, in the window industry and in the screen industry for about 20 years. And so it, it's been a, one of those things that's rattled around in my head that there has to be a better way um, just because of all the problems uh, that my customers, which, uh, again, I, I'm a window guy. I, I was, uh, you know, for most of my professional life, I've been in the window and door industry. And every window that gets produced has to have a screen on it. You know, homeowners expect to have a screen on their on their. Um, on their window, but so, but there's a lot of problems with them. You know, there's a there's a three to five percent reject rate on window screens. Uh, again, wow. it's one of those things that most homeowners don't understand. But you know, three percent, five percent of every single window that goes out has a screen that's bad. Um, that's a huge financial burden for the window manufacturers and a big pain for the the window dealers and the homeowners. So, and I imagine um, for the installers as well, who exactly. then have to go out and replace that screen with no additional revenue associated with it. Um, this is another area uh, where you and my uh, careers cross. Uh, I did a, a lot of sales work in the home improvement industry. Um, I've made a lot of in-home sales presentations. It sounded like you did as well. Since then, I've done a lot of marketing for, oh, you know, the roofers and the windows and doors guys and all those people. And, uh, and there's, I hope that we'll have time at the end of our conversation to come back around to the home improvement industry and talk a little bit about what you learned there about successful marketing and sales 
and how it impacted uh, what you've done here with FlexScreen. Okay, so uh, eight years ago would be 2013. At what point did you have uh, like a minimum viable product, something that you could either demonstrate to manufacturers or sell to homeowners? So it took me about two years in, in my garage. And again, this is, you know, uh, me uh, trying things that I could buy at Lowe's and Home Depot, you know, walking through a store like that and going, can I make a screen out of that? Can I make a screen out of that? And <laughs> so it took me about two years to, to, um, to, to come up with what I call my bubble gum and duct tape prototype. And, and when you say minimum viable, that's exactly what it was. It, it was <laughs> what is the absolute minimum that it could be. But it was enough to show the concept. And, um, and, and that, uh, that was important. That was a big step, you know, to, to come out of the garage with something in my hands um, rather than an idea. And uh, it, again, from, from there, at least then I could start describing this to, um, you know, patent attorneys and things like that to try to see if anything like this had ever existed before. Right. You, you never know. You absolutely yeah. never know until you do those searches. And of course, that involves investment with the uh, with the attorneys and so forth. And so, you know, that's risk. You might spend a few thousand dollars with an intellectual property attorney and he comes back and says, sorry, somebody already has this. Uh, so that's a big risk. And with that in mind, I want to ask you, what was your thought relative to your business model? In other words, let's say you could patent this and you could manufacture it and you could sell it somehow. Who did you think you were going to sell it to? So, um, again, because I was in the window industry, there, there were a couple different avenues that I could that I could explore. You know, one of the big window companies, maybe I can just sell the the, the patent to them. Um, one of the window screen suppliers. Most window screens are not produced by the window manufacturers anymore. They're produced by large window companies, and so. Mm -hmm. You know, it may, maybe one of those guys might want to, uh, you know, might want to buy this or, or license it or, or something like that. Um, truthfully, when I came out of the garage and I had something that worked, I was just surprised that I had something. So, so I was open to absolutely any any way of getting it out into the world. Um, Interesting. And yeah, and and again, just some some fortunate things that had happened with with my journey. Um, you know, I, I, you know, got an NDA um, from, you know, I got an, I got an attorney. Um, they gave me an NDA so I could actually start showing it off a little bit to see if, mm. if it was just mm -hmm. more than just my excitement. Could I get some excitement out in the industry as well? Um, we did invest in, in, you know, getting the patent search and, and the, at least the first patent application. That was a personal investment from my family and I. Um, so we started showing it off into the industry and, and we had an offer from an equipment company in, in our industry. And they said, look, we'd love to buy this, um, this idea from you, this, this, this patent application and this idea. And um, I reached out to a personal friend who was in the, you know, he, he owns several um, companies. Some of them actually control IP and he, he owns some IP. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just laid it out in front of him and said, what should I do here? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, to grow this. I, I'm, I, I'm a sales guy at heart. Um, I've never grown a business. And um, what should I do? Should I sell it? Should I do? What should I do? And he took some, some very of, of his valuable times, took an entire afternoon, sat down with me, looked at the whole opportunity, and then um, just said, give me a couple days. Let me think about this. Let me, um, you know, let me come back to you with my suggestions. And um, that was on a Thursday. He came back to me on a Monday and said, uh, if I were you, I wouldn't sell it. This looks like it's an, a, a huge opportunity. Um, and I can actually help guide you if you're interested. I can, I, I, I can invest myself. And I also have some other people that have invested with me in the past. And um, I can help you to grow this business if this is something that you want to do. And so he was our, my first investor and, and actually introduced me to our first team of of um, of investors, so again, very fortunate that that I um, had that in my in my life. But you know, I think there's a lesson there as well for some of your your listeners. If I would have reached out and been humble, if I would have thought that I knew what I, what everything, I never would have uh, um, put this in front of him, and, and probably never would would have gotten to the point where our business is today. So. That's great. Yeah, it's good. I think it was uh, Dirty Harry who said. Man's got to know his limitations. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I am quite aware of how much I don't know. <laughs> well, that's good. Good on you. It seems like the older I get, the more I figure that out. 
Well, yep. and you know, it is interesting and fortuitous, uh, as you say, that that person was in your life. But that also, to me, sounds like the first strategic investor that came into this business. This was Absolutely. a person who had more to bring than just a checkbook. They also had this experience with IP intellectual property. Uh, they knew other investors. They knew, they knew a lot that you didn't know about how to leverage an innovation like you had created. And uh, so, okay. So I think this is a good point to tangent then uh, pivot into your experience at Shark Tank because those people also were strategic investors. Now, my understanding is that unlike most companies who go through a lengthy application and interview process in order to try to get in front of the sharks, that the producers at Shark Tank actually reached out to you after having seen some of your video marketing. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, we um uh, the, the first thing that the the window and door industry loved our product. They they really did. It solved a lot of problems, um especially operational problems because our problem product product didn't get damaged as easy. And so, but we had this issue where uh, traditional window screens were invented in the early 1900s. So if you look up the patents on a on you know traditional window screens, it, they are a metal window screen with a rubber spline looks exactly like the screens that you're probably on your house. So nothing no had changed in over a hundred years. Hmm. So, so turning a, a, an industry that had had gotten used to something for over a hundred years was was a bit difficult. So we had this this slow yes situation that was going on. We had a lot of people like, yes, this is great, but who else is using it? Yes, this is great, but we'd have to educate the homeowners. But yes, this is great, but and hmm. so we had to find a way to get through that slow yes. Um, and for us as a young company that didn't have, you know, $5 million to do a 15 second spot on the Super Bowl, we said, look, video marketing is the only way that we can tell our story um, about a flexible window screen that nobody can even fathom what a flexible window screen looks like. We had to show them. And so we just started doing funny, crazy uh, videos. Um, and again, it was really basic back then. We put a black curtain up behind me. We put a, put a, a table in front of me and we were doing some, some iPhone videos and, and using basic video editors to, to make them and, and put them out on social media. And through those efforts, the Shark Tank um, producers found us. They said, this, your, your product looks great. You, you're, you look like you're a lot of fun and, and um, we'd love <laughs> to have you come on. Uh, and and uh, I'm not kidding. We thought it was a joke. The, the first <laughs> the first phone call, we're like, yeah, whatever. That's, yeah, you know, I'm sure one of my buddies is giving me a hard time. Then we got the email. And I'm like, oh, this is, somebody's going really far with this joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the, the second call came. We were like, okay, it says Sony Pictures. I guess we should answer this one. And, um, but yeah, they, they, they asked us to come on. And, and so we skipped an awful lot of steps that most people, most people have to go to a cattle call where they're at a convention center and they get a, a minute to pitch in front of the producers or they send in a video application or something like that online. I, I want to say it's around 100,000 people a year um, wow. are, are putting in applications. And uh, the year that we, the, the year that we aired, so it was 29, or not that we filmed 2019, they had five that they actually reached out to and asked to come on the show. And we happen to be one of those lucky five. So now 100,000 people a year apply. Uh, are you saying there were only five the whole season or was it five just on the one episode you were on? F five people that the Shark Tank producers actually reached out to. Oh, oh I see. Rather um, than the hundred thousand. For the whole season. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Of, yeah. So, so again, there's you know, however many, four or five per per episode that, that get through. But mm -hmm. most of those are, you know, they like I said, they've, they've gone a different way. And they have a lot more steps. I mean, we went from them contacting us. We were, we were filming within a few months. You know, most of the time, this is a year process by the time, you know, you go through everything. Could so you just we, uh, we nail that nice. down? What month they contacted you, what month it filmed and what month it aired? I want to say we, um, I think we got contacted in April and we filmed in June and then we aired in January. So, so April and June of 2019 and January of 2020. Yes. Okay. Yep. Great. Okay, now we're starting to get into the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, as for me, as somebody who's watched the show, you know, religiously for years, um, they, we always think, well, if I'd been that guy, I would have said this, 
Or I, you know, he never should have said that. Oh boy, he really ticked off Barbara on that one. Or, you know, there's always that kind of thing going on. Uh, had you been a fan of the show, had you even seen it before you went on? Yeah, I had seen it. Um, I wasn't a religious um, uh, mm -hmm. viewer of it, mainly because I was in the middle of, of growing a business. Sure. And so, <laughs> you know, one, one of the frustrating things as, as somebody who's going through this um, as, a young, as a young company is you have these, these companies that go on Shark Tank and they're like, I did 12 thousand in sales and the valuation of our company is, you know, $300 million or something ridiculous. And you're like, right. oh my goodness, like you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily want to feel those feelings um, as I was struggling to, to grow my own business, but I did mm -hmm. watch it every once in a while. You know, we would, we, we would have it on, on, on a, um, you know, Friday night or something like that. So, um, well, and one of the things you always, as a, as an inventor, which is weird saying that I'm that, but when when you have something new, the thing that every always gets said is you should go on Shark Tank. You should go on Shark Tank. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. That's funny. So, so did you hear that a lot? I did, and that's yeah. why we thought it was a joke. Um, we right. thought that the that the call was a joke because again, we had heard that so much. But okay, now. Uh Having watched it was, and you don't have to name names, which I imagine you probably wouldn't want to name any names, but um, were there any of the sharks that you felt, let's say, more kindly towards or any that you definitely didn't want to become a partner with? And as I say, you don't have to name a name, but did you have any sense of that before you walked in that room? So, you know, what's, uh, what's interesting is, um, first of all, the thing to remember is they, they show 12 minutes, 14 minutes, right? Um, I was in front of them filming for two, two hours and 37 minutes. Wow. So, you know, you really do get to know their personalities a, a little bit through, through that. There's a lot of back and forth. It, it, it's just, it, it doesn't make good TV. Um, so, uh, you know, when we were going in, we were actually targeting Lori. We thought that Lori was a good partner for us, mainly because we were weak with retail. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're, um, mainly, like I said, mainly we sell to the window manufacturers. Um, so the retail side is just something that I it wasn't in my, my wheelhouse. We had done a little bit, but we wanted somebody that was a bit of an expert and Lori is. But um, Mark Cuban was, was by far the nicest person in that room. He, Interesting. Um, yeah, he, he really understood our business model. He, he was um, very... Um, uh, very kind, you know, even as, as he was, you know, trying to understand, he wasn't, um, overbearing. Mr. Wonderful is, was probably the worst. Uh, and, and again, <laughs> uh, look, I, he, he comes yeah. across that way. Uh, and I know they, they play a little bit of a character. Again, it's a TV show. They're, they're playing a little bit, uh, you know, uh, almost, um, you know, bigger than they actually are. Mm -hmm. um, because my understanding is, uh, you know, because now I'm a part of this community of Shark Tank entrepreneurs. We talk to each other. We have online groups. We meet up together. Um, my understanding is he is a fantastic partner. He's one of the best sharks. No kidding. Um, yeah, he, he does. He goes above and beyond for, for the, the um, companies that he partners with. He really um, gets into their day-to-day -day lives, helps them to, to be better entrepreneurs, not just let me make your company better. So uh, again, we never, you don't get that side of him from, from the TV show, but, um, well, and you know, yeah, he you really know. cultivates that hard ass reputation that, you know, people call him Mr. Wonderful and he wears it like a badge. So, but, but in your case, when I was watching the episode, he's like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lend you, you know, $600,000 at 9% interest. And I was like, Wow. And I was thinking, do I really want to borrow $600,000 from that guy? I thought, ooh, I don't know. But uh, with that in mind, there's the next thing I want to ask you. So I mentioned to you in a previous conversation that uh, I've had a number of guests on here and we've talked about raising money. And there are things about valuation and profits and revenues. And you mentioned that, you know, people, I did $12,000 in revenue last year and I want $100 million for my company. Even so, your call or your request, uh, uh, $800,000, wasn't it, for 6% of the company? Is mm -hmm. that it? Uh, yep. You know, as uh, Mr. Wonderful said, I missed it the first time and I ran the calculator myself. That was $13.3 million valuation on a company that had $5 million in top-line revenue and not a lot in, in bottom-line profit. Uh, what I'm saying is that was, you know, that was a pretty strong call there that you made. Where did you pull that number from, first off, 
And the other thing is, was that just a starting point for you? Uh, or was that really what you wanted to come out of that room with? So we, we actually worked um, very hard on our valuation. Uh, again, one of the behind the scenes Shark Tank um, things that, that uh, I'm probably not allowed to say, but whatever. Um, they, they actually have a business consultant that is willing to work. It they, they works for the show and they'll actually work with you on helping to understand the, um, you know, what the sharks are looking for with valuations and, and things interesting. like that. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting fact. Less than 20% of the companies that go on the show actually use them. Um, mainly because they don't want to hear that their baby is ugly. If right. That makes sense, right? They they want to they want to go in there with a valuation, and they don't want to be convinced otherwise. So you know, we went in, and, and again, th what you see on the show is a, a very small snippet that is there for drama, right? It, it's mm -hmm. they're they're there to to create a, a, a good TV show first. You know, the the rest of it is is secondary. So you, you know, you, you don't go from you know, your valuation stinks um, to, hey, three sharks wanting to make a deal with you without them understanding where you came up with that valuation. Okay. So, so, so there was a lot of, you know, again, two hours and 37 minutes, probably an hour and a half of it was just helping them to understand our business model and understand why, you know, even though we had, uh, you know, low bottom line, it really, that's, it didn't tell the whole story. You know, we're mm -hmm. a growing company, we're reinvesting, you know, all of those types of things. So profits were, they're just not important at that point in, in our, in our trajectory, you know, and we were also, we had $5 million um, for the year before we, we um, before, but the year that we were in, which is 2019, we were going to be over $10 million. So we doubled our, our top line, yeah. you know, just from year to year. And so, Again, all of those things get a little bit lost in the translation of the TV show. Yeah. So, well, and I'll uh, have to say uh, because you know I, I do a lot of video and editing and that kind of thing, and I understand that. But they tell you their editors do a great job of increasing the drama and the tension. <laughs> um, but they also did a good job of showing Mark Cuban going hmm about three times, and uh, virtually everybody on the the panel nodding their heads and going wow and. You know, when you did the product demonstration, et cetera, it seemed like, and correct me if I'm wrong, by the way, I've done a lot of investor presentations, and that's part of the reason why I'm so taken with the Shark Tank thing. Did you have a positive feeling right out of the gate as soon as you started talking, or did it warm up? So what happens in the show, number one, it's the most surreal experience ever, right? So, so you know, they're, they're all A-type personalities, right? So they, they all want to be heard. They all are vying for, for attention from you because that's giving attention from the cameras and the audiences, right? Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, and again, this is one of those things that, you know, hindsight, you look back and go, oh, I see what was happening here, you, you know. Um, the producers try to warn you. They're like, look, you need to own that stage. You have to own that those moments, mm -hmm. um, you know, because they're going to want to talk over each other and stuff like that. So, you know, they pretty much leave you alone during the pitch portion, right? So that's the thing that you memorize as you're going in. Hey, Sharks, my name's Joe Altier from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You know, that, 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 that section of it. Um, they, they leave you alone for that. Then when they start getting into valuations and, and understanding the business, um, they're talking over each other. They're, they are, you know, <laughs> all, the, 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 they are, and they're arguing that they're saying, hey, why are you answering her question? I asked my question first and, uh, you know, don't why? And, and so there's all of this stuff happening. So in your head, you're answering a question, right? Your mouth is speaking. You, you're formulating the next answer to the next question that you have to answer while listening to them at the same time, all at the same time, you're having this out-of-body experience going, oh my goodness, am I standing in front of all these sharks? Is this really happening? So, <laughs> um, so having this, uh, to say I had a warm and fuzzy was probably a little bit of a stretch, but I could tell that they were impressed by the demonstration right off the bat. Like it was, um, you know, there was a lot of great questions. There was a lot of, um, uh, you know, wow, I have this problem uh, in yeah. you know, my own house. Uh, again, you don't think about the sharks taking their screens out, but there's, they're real people. You, you know, they, they, sure. they do deal with these things. And so... Um, well, if I could interrupt you, because you mentioned yeah. as soon as you walked out and started saying, hey, I'm Joe, et cetera. So I actually broke this down because, as I say, I've done a lot of these presentations. I, I help coach people on it, pre making investor presentations. 
That situation is unique because I can't remember an investor presentation where people are shouting at me and shouting at each other and I got cameras on me. You know, generally it's more of a one to one or one to, you know, a sedate group of uh, investors. But here's what, and I want to ask you if what I'm about to say is the way it was live or if it was edited down to this, because your introduction, your elevator pitch was so sharp, I couldn't believe it. You came out and you said, excuse me, you said your name and hometown, you said the name and the product, you said what problem it solves, you said we're the world's first and only flexible window screen, you pulled it out of the window, you beat on it with a hammer, you put it back in the window, and while you had your back turned to them, you said FlexScreen is an industry disruptor, and then you turned around and you asked for the investment. So, who wants to get on board? And it was one minute and three seconds, and I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> So was that the real deal or was it edited down? No, that's the real deal. So when when, when it looks like, yeah, when it looks like you're going to be on the show, um, they, they assign a producing team to you. So um, I had two guys that, that were with me for this entire journey. And, and they, uh, and again, these are some behind the scenes things, but every Friday I had a call with them and they pretty much said, look, if we show up on the call, that means you've made it another week. <laughs> so, <laughs> so three o'clock every Friday at two I'm like, please be on the call, please be on the call. Um, but, but every Friday they would, they would, um, ask you questions and things like that. And you'd have an assignment for the next week. So my first assignment, they said, write your, write your pitch. Tell us why we should, um, wh why one of the sharks should do this. Watch some episodes and all that stuff. And you're going to do it in front of us as if you're doing it live next Friday. Great. Okay, perfect. So I, I, I do it. I write it all up. You know, it's like three pages long. And um, they're like, okay, that's great. That was six and a half minutes. <laughs> Get it down, cut it, cut it in half for next week. Get it down to three minutes. I'm like, okay, great. Get it down to three minutes. So the next week I get it down to, to three minutes. What I thought was three minutes. They're like, okay, that was five minutes. Like wow. you need to understand by next week, you have to have it down to two minutes. And so the next week, you know, I'm, I'm down to two minutes. By the time I was all done, the, you have to get it down to a minute. But by the time you're done, my, my pitch on paper was this, was this much. It was a paragraph and a half. That was it. Um, and so trying to, trying to do that was, it was a crazy exercise for, for me and for my team to, to do that because you're, you're summing up a business, you're summing up a product and trying to, to say that this is the best thing in the world with very few words. Um, yeah. and, and, and it is tough to do. And it's something that, that the, the entrepreneurs struggle with. And, and to your point, I've been a part of some of these in, investor pitches, uh, just as a shark mm. tank person, they asked me to be a part of those. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a big challenge is people want to get into a very long explanation. And you're mm. like, look, you have to impress us very quickly. We're either interested or not. And so, um, that's a skill and, and, and it's something that, that is hard to do. It really is. It is a skill and it can be developed. Um, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to write 30 second radio spots many years ago mm -hmm. and to try to get and not even have the video aspect to it, the visual. Anyway, that's where I learned how to do it. But it's hard for people and, and all of us as humans, we want to tell the whole story. If I don't right. tell them everything, they're not going to completely understand. They don't realize right now you don't need them to completely understand. You just need them to get interested. But I just, just need their attention. Yep. You did. I'm not kidding you. I, I was shocked. Uh, and when I timed it, I couldn't believe it. You know, minute and three seconds. It was unreal. Okay. So I, did, I didn't do too bad. I was really close to my minutes. So that's, that's great. <laughs> well, you were having the out of body experience. You know, <laughs> there you go. What if when you were putting the screen into the window, it went boom, you know, you let, let oh. go of it or something? The Lord only knows what might have happened. I, I, I am telling you, I had that. I had that fear. I, I told this story. I, I did a little speaking thing, and I told this story. One of the one of the episodes that I watched was this company who had a door lock that comes up from the the, the bottom, right? And mm -hmm. the, their demonstration was: we have our door, and we have this door with a regular lock, and they're supposed to be able to kick in the regular one without any problems. Well, they had a problem with the display, and they couldn't kick in the regular one. And these guys Ooh. pounded on this door, kicking it, drop kicking it. They brought out a, a sledgehammer, and they're pounding against it. That the sharks are laughing, and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, please don't let that happen to me. Please don't let it happen to me. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that was, that was one of those fears. I'm like, okay, go really easy, putting this in, make it look smooth. So, yeah. <laughs> but Well, anyway, good on you. You did a great job with that. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, so now um, you're in the room and you're in there for two and a half hours. What uh, was that? Were you standing up the whole time? Did you get to sit down? Was there any snack break, bathroom break? No, one of the things that they say is uh, there's no timeouts, there's no takebacks, there's no wow. there's no breaks. Now, uh, mine was a little bit um, rare. So, so typically they're they're 25 to 40 minutes is what they prepared us for. 25 minutes if if you have a good pitch and they want to make a deal. Um, 40 40 to 45 minutes if you have a good pitch and and they're going through the deal portion of it. So. I we just had a more uh, we had a we had a bigger company than normal Shark Tank companies mm -hmm. and they really wanted to understand the financials um, because as we were growing to, to your earlier point you know we didn't we weren't showing much profit and they wanted to understand why what were what how are we reinvesting what was going on here that that we showed a bottom line of only you know a couple thousand dollars profit every year so and the sharks do really want to understand um, they, they they have they have their notebooks out they're making tons of notes they're, they're they have calculators out they, they are doing the things that a normal uh you know a, a normal uh counselor you know a normal um investment group might do if they were looking at investing so mm. um so a lot of that's all very real i mean there's none of the sharks that get into deals just to do something for tv or something like that they're, they they yeah. legitimately want to make finish these deals and, and make good deals with good entrepreneurs so well there's just a lot then, that wasn't sexy in, in our in our two and a half hours if that makes sense the episode's great as i say i've watched many of them i had never seen your episode before i was surprised at the level of interest all of the sharks I can't remember who first said they were out, but it almost seemed like immediately they were wished they hadn't said it uh, because uh, right away, uh, Lori and Mr. Wonderful and uh, Barbara were like, uh, Lori came in last, I guess. But anyway, I it was clear they were interested. They, they had those buying signals. They're leaning forward. They're asking questions. They're, you know. Anyway, I, uh, I thought that was interesting. Here's something that I always wondered about and I, and I want to ask you. Okay, they're making you an offer. Well, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars minimum at stake. But when you're talking about a $13.3 million valuation, and really, they didn't whittle you down very much. Uh, you know, I don't know what the final number was, but they took your, your uh, pitch very seriously in terms of the numbers. But what I'm saying is you're standing there by yourself, having an out-of-body experience. The lights are on. The cameras are on. You've been there all this time. And now you got to make a decision right then. Did you have to make a decision right then? You know, could you phone a friend? How did that work? So, um, it, it so I, I did make a decision right then, and and it does take a lot of take a lot of practice, um, and I don't know how else to say that other than you know I have great partners who um, you know they 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 ask me a lot of questions they they prepped me ahead of time. Um, and then we also prepped the, the deal making. What if, what if, what if, what if? And we ran through <laughs> just scenarios and scenarios. What about this? What, is, what would be a good counter for this? And so I, I had some of those things just had, we had already thought about ahead of time. Um, now, no, don't get me wrong. With all the lights and stuff, it's easy to forget what, what all those things I you but, but you do have to make a decision right there, right then. There's no time out. Let me go think about it. Let me go talk to somebody else. If they're not in the room with you, you, you can't talk about it. So, um, and, and, you know, it is, um, you know, and the other thing about it too, which I didn't realize until we got into this, you know, Shark Tank is a game too. It's, it's, it's not just reality TV. It's not just a business thing. It's, it's a game and there's rules to the game. And one of the rules to the game is you can't, they cannot, offer you less than the amount of cash that you're asking for. So we were going in asking for $800,000. I couldn't walk out of there with, with less than that. I couldn't walk out of there with 700. I couldn't, couldn't walk out of there with one, 100,000. They could mm -hmm. offer more, but they can't offer less. So again, that's one of those things that you have to be careful of when you're going in and, and with your ask, because $800,000 is an awful lot of money. So, yeah. um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a lot easier for the smaller companies to go in and ask for twenty five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 because the sharks are almost like, okay, which pocket do you want to take that out of? Sure. Um, yeah. you know, when you're up into the close to a million dollars, you're, you know, we're one of the bigger deals on, on shark tank that, you know, typically they don't come close to a million dollars. So were your partners there, uh, at the studio with you or were they, how did you like, how did they debrief you about what had happened? And what deal you would strike? 
So um, no, as a matter of fact, if you're not going on onto the show, you're not a lot on the set. So even though my wife was in LA with me, um, she was back at the hotel, so, so she couldn't um, she couldn't come. And and as a matter of fact, uh, the the cell service was so bad in my trailer that when I got back, I couldn't call. Like I have all this excitement, and I'm like, I need to tell somebody. Oh my gosh. I, you know. And, and you also have an NDA because you're not, they don't want you talking about it until, you know, a week or two before you air. So from June until January, I couldn't tell anybody, you know, it was like my immediate, immediate, immediate family who was sworn to secrecy and, and my business partners, that was the only people that knew. Wow. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm like trying to send texts out. I'm outside the trailer, like trying to hold my cell phone up to, to try to tell my <laughs> wife that, that I got a deal. And, um, but but yeah, we finally finally got through and and um, got to celebrate with with her. But 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 yeah, um, my partners is the same thing. You know, I'm trying to send a group text, and I'm like, well, we got to deal with Lori. Um, I almost have to wonder, you know, if they had some kind of cell blocker <laughs> in that trailer to keep you from communicating. But okay, so what do you remember? What day of the week that was that you uh, did the filming? I do because um, you know they they came out uh, so they they flew over. This is all pre-corona, so we we were the season mm. before Corona hit, right? So, um, so they flew everybody out that was filming for that entire week. So they filmed for six days a week for two weeks in the summer and then two weeks in the fall, and that takes care of the entire season. So we were the first week um, in the summer, and they bring everybody out um, on Sunday because they have a big meeting on Monday, and I was supposed to film on Thursday. Uh, of that week. And they called me um, on Monday night and um, told me that I was filming um, t- the next morning. So I, I, I oh looked like days in prep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was a scary, it was a scary phone call too, because what happens is on Monday, they line everybody up and they're like, okay, you're doing your pitch, that little one minute, right? You're doing that in front of everybody that is part of the show and they're doing it. Um, you know, they want to make sure that they understand the lighting cues and this isn't the, the sharks. This is the producers, the directors, lighting okay. people, all of that. So there's about 50 people that watch you do this. And they make it really clear that some of you are not going to go in front of the sharks this week because you're just not going to do a good enough job in front of us and we're going to send you home early. Interesting. And so, yeah, that's, that was scary. Um, so then yeah, I get this phone no call pressure, on Monday Joe. night. <laughs> What's that? No pressure. No, no pressure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think they want you to feel a little bit, bit of that, you know what I mean? So, so that you do understand what that's going to feel like going in there. And they don't, you know, if you're going to pass out or you're going to not do very well in front of them, there's no possible way that you're going to do, do well yeah. in front of the sharks and, and in front of the pressure of having the cameras around you. Okay. So, well, um, what I was driving at, it, so you, uh, Tuesday morning is when your uh, time morning. ball yep. of fire was. Okay, so here you wake up Wednesday morning. Any uh, buyer's remorse as far as the deal that you took? Uh, absolutely, actually none. Um, you know, we the, the the deal that we took was actually something that we saw Barbara do um, in previous episodes, where she says, "Hey, hey, look, um, you keep your wholesale side of the business, which is what we you know we sell to the window mm-hmm. manufacturers." We're going to start a brand new retail company um, over here that that we're going to partner with together. So for us, we, we weren't doing much in retail. We only did about a million dollars of retail in, in 2019, um, mm-hmm. so which was a very small portion of our of our business. Um, it was so low risk. Like it was like, hey, look, we're, we're not touching our core business. We're just starting something new that we're not good at anyway. And we're going to have a partner in it. And Barbara, when Barbara um, proposed that, and then Lori jumped on it, so it was like the perfect deal for us. And then wow. we, the shark that we wanted jumped onto that same deal. It was like, <laughs> it was like God came down and like said, here's, here's the answer to all your prayers. Oh, that's so, great. Um, yeah, it really was. It was, it was fantastic for us. So um, this may seem like a tangent, but recently Tesla has gotten into a lot of trouble with their solar roof installations because they didn't realize how difficult it is to install a roof. Although anybody had been in the roofing business for any period of time could have told them that. And especially when you're not going in with, you know, flexible shingles made out of asphalt and instead have these rigid shingles that are made out of glass, good luck. Uh, so right. they learned that the hard way. And they actually had taken deposits from people who were going to pay $25,000 for a roof. And then they called them back and said, sorry, that's going to be $45,000 after all. And they did give them an opportunity to walk away from the contract. The reason I bring this up is 
somebody who hasn't sold windows and doors for 100 years doesn't understand that every hole in the wall is a different size. And if it's even off by a quarter of an inch or a half an inch, then, you know, the wind's going to blow through and the water's going to come in. And so it came down to a lot of discussion among the sharks. They were shocked that every window, almost every window, is custom made. I bring this long explanation up to ask you, has that been an ongoing rub with your relationship with Lori about the idea versus mass production of templated screens versus uh, custom made screens? So uh, by the time by the time I was done in front of them, they understood uh, as much as they could, you know, within two hours of of me talking that yeah, this was just a standard size screen is is going to be impossible. Um, now we've had conversations with Lori and her team, you know, since then, and you know we've reiterated some of those, um, you, you know some of those facts to them. Uh, we were, we, you know, we launched on, on homedepot.com recently. And, and of course her and her team were part of that. And, and we are doing some standard sizes that, that Home Depot carries. Um, you know, for, so windows that they carry in stock, um, we're doing some standard size screens that fit those windows. And, and that's coming up here this summer. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, coming to the like one size fits all, it, it just, yeah, it, it took a little while to, to help them understand that. But, now that they do, they don't push. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about the the sharks is they really don't uh, they 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 really don't have a lot of interest in going in there and running your business for you. They're there as a resource, but mm -hmm. they're not going to try to force you. You know, if you're a round peg, they're not going to try to force you into a square hole. And and that's um that was a that was really refreshing. You know, to have them as 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 a help instead of you know somebody driving us in a certain direction. Uh, it, it, there's no tension there. Which, which I was, I was concerned about, just to be honest with you. And I would have been as well, and I'm glad that you just addressed that. So the type of investing that the sharks do is broadly known as strategic investing, where it's not just uh, their checkbook, but they also bring their Rolodex and their relationships and their experience and their connections and so forth. Prior to going on Shark Tank, had you, and outside of your existing business partners, had you been seeking capital? from traditional, let's say, angel investors or venture capitalists? We, we weren't. Uh, all of our, uh, outside of Lori, uh, all of our uh, investments have been um, within a group of, of people that have all invested in, in the past. Uh, we did a round of funding before Shark Tank. And, and so even going into the show, we didn't necessarily need the, the funding. We mm -hmm. were looking for that strategic partnership. The funding, you know, the, the, the money is just a, a bonus you know, mainly because you have to do that on Shark Tank. I don't know how else to say it. Um, <laughs> you know, you can't go in there and be like, hey, I, I'll, I'll give you, you know, 20% for nothing. <laughs> Who's interested? Right. Um, but, uh, you know, that, w that was, the, that was the, the big advantage for us. Now, some of the Shark Tank companies, you know, they, they go on and they do need the investment. And, and they do, um, you know, th that money is, is important, as, as important as the, the strategic side of it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we're... We weren't really looking for that. Now, one of the things that does come from being on Shark Tank is is you do have a lot of VCs that come and and want to throw money at you. Um, you know, they see you on the show. Oh. They, they um, and so we were inundated with with companies that wanted to invest. You know, for the first um, year, we still get them about once a month now. Somebody will reach out, but but again, for us, we're not looking for. Uh, we're not necessarily looking for money. You know, we're, we're a big enough company. We can go get a loan. You know, our banks are, are great. You know, we have a good, you know, you know our, our, our um, uh, you know, our business is solid. So, uh, you know, unless somebody is strategic, it doesn't make much sense for us to bring somebody else into our, our, our team. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, I think I've just about squeezed every drop out of your experience there <laughs> at, on the set. Anything I've missed? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, it was it, it was the best, scariest experience <laughs> I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. Uh, yeah, it's it's but, one of those experiences that uh, I, I I say it's it's probably like I haven't jumped out of an airplane yet, but I assume it's a lot like that. The first time is terrifying, and then the second, third, fourth time, it just you know I'd have no problem doing it again. But yeah. man, doing it for that first time was 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 terrifying. So um, well, nothing's going to scare me in the future. Of, I, I guarantee that. So <laughs> That level of stress brings a lot of energy to the screen. It does. Well, 
with that in mind, let's talk about your podcast, uh, uh, where you're going to be interviewing other people who weren't necessarily successful on Shark Tank, but did appear on the show. What's the name of your podcast and what's it all about? It's, it's called Lessons from the Tank. And uh, it, it's just a give back. You know, we, we um, one of the universal things for all of the Shark Tank entrepreneurs is we have people reaching out to us. You know, how can how do I take an idea to to the market? How do I how do I take my idea for an invention, or how do I take my prototype and get to the ne- to the next level? You know, those types of questions happen to every single one of us, and it happens all the time. And so. This is just a give back for us where we can answer some of the questions, you know, and and help people to understand some of the lessons that we've learned. You know, people think that, you know, you get on Shark Tank and you've made it. Um, really what happens is you just burn faster and brighter. Um, and so the <laughs> lessons become, they, they do, they become, they, they become bigger and, 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 and faster than you would normally have, have um, had to learn those, you know, without mm. Shark Tank. Um, so, so we, we've learned a lot, and and I had um, uh, my first my first guest was Tiffany Crummins, who was season number one, episode number one, winner number one. She was the very first guest on the podcast, and um, the lessons she's learned through the past twelve years, um, and the things that she's gone through have, have been. I mean, she really paved the way for the rest of us. I mean, that she was on the pilot. Um, you know, nobody knew who knew who Mr. Wonderful was or Barbara Carcarin. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were kind of unknowns. And um, so, so, you know, she she actually has an organization that helps um, women entrepreneurs, um, you know, be successful. You know, Tiffany does. And uh, again, every single one of the, the um, Shark Tank entrepreneurs wants to give back. We really do have That's a great. heart for small business. And so this is just one of the ways that we can give back. And it's called Lessons from the Tank. Um, you can check it out on LessonsFromTheTankPodcast.com or just search for Lessons from the Tank on Apple or Google or, or Spotify. That's great. But, um, and I will put a yeah. link to the podcast in the show notes for this episode. Um, we're just about out of time, but I, with the idea of helping business owners in mind, Uh, I want to come back to the home improvement industry or remodeling comes by a lot of uh, names. And I don't know, do you know that your friend uh, Tony Hody was a past guest here on Radio Free Enterprise? I heard that. Um, I I, I did hear that. uh, Tony's a a great guy. He's an amazing guy. He truly is. And I know that you recently presented at his annual conference, LeadCon. And here's what I want to drive at and, and ask you to share your thoughts on. Within the home improvement industry, a lot of industries, there are business owners who get it when it comes to marketing and sales. And there are those who don't. And the difference between their success is night and day. And and so I know, and that's why I'd asked Tony to come on, because he's all about excellence and superiority in customer experience, customer uh, uh, development, customer everything, marketing and sales, making sure people are happy with what you do and giving you repeat and referral business and generating leads, et cetera. What, if you could share one thought or maybe a couple with any business owner about why they need to focus on marketing or a great suggestion on how they can improve their marketing and sales, what do you think that would be? Well, I think the first thing is for for people to understand the difference between marketing and sales. I, I think sometimes, especially if you're not in the marketing industry, you, you think that they're the same thing and they're, they're 100% are not. Um, you know, marketing is, is branding. It's, it's, it, it, you know, marketing is a thing that's impossible to, to really understand your ROI, you know, um, you know, for us to, to go and say, hey, what's our ROI on these marketing videos that we're putting out? I can never tell you if I sold one more screen because of these videos that, that I put out. But what I know is, that it it made my company more visible to the to the outside world, uh, you, you know. So th- that's the that's the first thing is you know you know I, I hear a lot of people they talk about oh we do great marketing our guys are out there selling all the time we're like well hold on a second <laughs> a guy knocking on the door is not marketing um, and, and so that's the one thing is it, you know tr- try to understand the the, the difference there um, but from the from the other side 
I think sale, I'm a sales guy. I love presenting. I, I love um, being in front of the customers. I truly like my customers. <laughs> that's, that's one thing that a lot of, uh, especially when you get small businesses that are, m- might start struggling a little bit, they start not liking their customers. I've, I've heard so many times where people are like, my customers are so stupid. They're like, well, maybe, oh. maybe you should figure out what their, what their problem is because without them, you don't survive. Um, you know, we are within within our um, company now. I have a uh, close to 160 employees now. Uh, you know, across all of our factories and stuff. And I still say that we are a sales and marketing company first, and we happen to sell something that is pretty cool that 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 we make. Um, you know, our customers come first. We we make sure that every single one of our associates that are making our product up through the customer service people that talk to the customers understand that the only reason that we exist is to make our customers happy. And and so again, that's a that's a paradigm shift for a lot of companies that that they think that manufacturing we're here to manufacture something. Nope, you're you're here to keep your customers happy because as soon as they're not, they stop buying, and when they stop buying, you start stop manufacturing. And so again, I, I think it's more of the the mindset of um, companies that are out there uh, is is the biggest. That would be my biggest advice is is to try to shift that um, to to sales first. Um, uh, you know, even when my um, w- when my initial investors, one of the things that they came back with was, you know, if you were not a salesman. Um, if we didn't, we do not think that you would have made a very good CEO of, of a startup company. Um, you know, that was, that was interesting to me because, uh, you know, I was just being me, but that was something that they were looking for. And when they put their trust in, cause we have millions of dollars invested, um, at this point, that was something that was really important to them is that, that I was a sales guy that could go out there and, and tell my company's story to our customers and that I was going to be a customer advocate first. Um, I, again, we, we protect our, you know, we, our, our customers are, are uh, they're, they're fantastic. You know what I mean? And, and we're, it's not like we um, do things, do stupid things because of our customers, but we're, we're customer advocates first. We, we make sure that our customers are happy because they're why we exist. There's no arguing with that. And it's funny, you said three or four things right there, Joe, that we could go down rabbit holes on each one of them that has to do with sales and the difference between sales and marketing. And did you sell another screen because of your videos? Well, you sure as heck sold somebody at Sony Pictures on something with those videos. And so they're all necessary for the growth of a business. And uh, I don't know, maybe you'll be kind enough to come back and talk to me again on here so we can go back into some of those rabbit holes. I would absolutely love to. Joe Altieri, thank you so much for joining me today on Radio Free Enterprise. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Joe, and thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Frank Felker saying I'll see you on the radio. And now, a man who maintains a shrine to Mark Cuban in the basement of his suburban home, Frank Felker and Radio Free Enterprise. (laughs) 